Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Mark Blair or Bellevue Baptist Church. The views and opinions expressed are those of Mark Blair only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. You can catch our program on any way you get to podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening with us, being with us this morning, and listening to the program. We have a great program lined up for you. We have from Bellevue Baptist Church, the Minister of Music. He's going to be talking about what we call the Singing Christmas Tree. It's a tradition here in Memphis. You're going to find how long we have actually been experiencing in Memphis the singing Christmas tree. Also, Michael Powell and Scott Jordan are with us. They're going to answer some of your questions. You just Here's a question that's going to be lined up from Eric. He says, are we going into a long period of a bear market? I've heard five years. Well, Michael and Scott are going to dive into that question and a couple of other questions that come from Howard Grant and Samuel. We're just going to go through that and answer for you and then lead you through some things to protect you and give you some ideas of how to stay out of the fear problems that may come through being a part of a bear market. So we'll go through that part in the second half of the program. But if you've got questions and you want to send them to us, send it to Jim, J-I-M at 901-683-0989. Or you can send that question to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. But first, Let's just introduce from Bellevue Baptist Church, the director and producer and minister of music, Mr. Mark Blair. Sir, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim. It's an honor to be here. I just tell you, man, I am so just pleased to have you on the program and talking about that something is literally a tradition. I mean, I can remember the first singing Christmas tree I went to. I was only 10. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Or five. Maybe. Yeah, maybe somewhere around there. <laughs> somewhere around there. Uh, but it's been going on for how long in Memphis? This is our 46th year. I was five. uh, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And uh, it it really is an honor to be part of the fabric of the Christmas season in Memphis. You know, we we have a heart to be part of our community, and we feel like this program has grown into that, and it's something we're very thankful for. You know, you talk about the fabric of the community. I, I would love to do a survey sometime, just how many people in our area, in our surrounding area. I mean, they, you know, our listening audience goes out quite a ways and there's people I'm sure from all over our listening audience that have at least one time in the 46 years have attended the singing Christmas tree at Bellevue. Right. Well, when you consider the number of presentations that have been done across the years, I would say we have reached uh, uniquely uh, over a half million people. Wow. And, uh, you know, we have people that start calling in August that charter buses and come from as far away as Texas. And we take that responsibility seriously that if, if they're going to come and come out of their way, that we need to deliver something that is uplifting, but also something that will make a difference in their life. 
Well, you're telling the story of Christmas, the birth of Christ, and you go through this process of doing that in so many different ways. This year, it's a little different. I mean, you try to recreate the Christmas story from a biblical perspective, from an old-time Christmas. I mean, some of the sets you guys have, just literally, I love to experience that because it just it's a nostalgic type of mind reminder of what goes on at Christmas from a family perspective, from a personal side, and it is the story of the birth of Christ. Well, we would know as, as Christians that the heart of Christmas is the birth of Christ, but Christmas as an event is it it does it it touches a lot of senses it touches family life it touches community life and those those sights and sounds and so um trying to repackage it through the year dr jim whitmeyer uh was the first director of the program and uh i call jim the master of the kitchen sink yeah so our big challenge after 46 years is can we figure out something to do that we haven't done before? And um, what really has enabled that is the use of LED walls. And we are now able to take people to a front lawn where you're hearing a trans-Siberian and watching the light show on a house uh, while the kids are dancing and singing to a beautiful snowfall scene in the mountains to the streets of Bethlehem when a young girl and a man were searching for a place to stay so their child could be born. And um, so uh, technology has allowed us to bring those sights and sounds even more to life. Yeah, that's so critical. But if you just tuned in, my guest is Mark Blair. He's the minister of music at Bellevue Baptist Church. We're talking about the singing Christmas tree. Now, it's a tradition here in the city. If you have not been there, if you're new to the city, let me tell you what we're talking about. We're talking about a tree. Literally, that at some point in time in the production comes alive, and how many kids are on the tree? We'll max it out with 150. 150 young people. Yes. This is all done by these young people. That climb, and how, this tree is, <laughs> how tall is this tree? The tree is 44 feet tall. Wow. And uh, there are 11 rows. It, it was built by a team of engineers that... Um, Went to Bellevue back in 1975, 76. We still use the same tree. We do have all those wells checked um, <laughs> yeah. to make sure that yeah. uh, the tree is going to remain standing with 150 kids on it. Um, but, you know, that that has, whereas back in the 70s, that started as the focal point. Right. Now that becomes part of the fabric, but at times that's just almost the background fabric with all of the activity that's going on the stage. So it's just, again, a, a visual spectacle. There's so many things to see. There are 110,000 lights on the tree, computerized. And uh, so it is, it is fascinating, but there's also uh, Broadway-style sing and dance and drama. Okay, you'd mentioned the Broadway. And by the way, just to remind you, if you're thinking about this, this is the church out on the interstate, I-40, with the three crosses. That's Bellevue Baptist Church. And if you're interested in tickets, you can go to BellevueSingingTree.org. Tickets are $5 to $25. And I mean, that is a great, great price for what you're going to be able to do with your family or just to absolutely go out and say, I want to get into the idea behind Christmas and really understanding the Christmas. But Mark, you mentioned the performers. How many of the, how many performers are actually involved in the, not just performers, the production of this tree? Well, the entire event on stage and behind scene is about 1300 people. 
there are about 700 that cross the stage at some point, uh, teenagers predominantly and adults, but there's a team of 600 adults that make this thing happen behind the scenes. This happens every year, and it's kind of like this is a high point of the I guess, youth program at the church. I mean, for those that want to be in or, you know, involved. Right. Well, it, it's, um, I liken it to kids that are part of an award-winning basketball team or, a, a, you know, state champion football team. You just end up making relationships uh, with people and developing something and you're part of something that's bigger than yourself. Amen. And, Amen. and I think we have a lot of kids that, you know, they don't plan to sing and dance for a living. And in fact, this is probably the only time of the year that they do it, but it's a, it's a happening. Mm -hmm. It's a place to belong. And I'm thankful for our next generation ministry, our student ministry at Bellevue, our church for, for staying behind this and giving students a wholesome, fun outlet. I mean, we, we run 75 to 85% of our participants every week in rehearsal from the second week of September all the way to December. I mean, it's these a, kids are faithful. Yeah, they're faithful and they're, they're they're consistent with it. It's always a high quality. It's never one of those you go and say, "Well, that wasn't any good." It's always it's just you do a phenomenal job this year. I want to know what you're going to be talking. It's a theme every year, and I'm just interested in knowing what's the story behind the story of Christmas. All right. Well, this year Act One is a Christmas variety show. Uh, I remember growing up watching the Perry Como Christmas show or the Andy Williams Christmas show. Oh, I don't show. remember those. They're, they're, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> you were a young child. Um, but uh, it's reminiscent of that. Sure. It's just a Christmas variety show. Everything from Les Brown's We Wish You the Merriest to songs from Polar Express, um, our School of Performing Arts string program and new ballet program will be a part of it this year. But then we come to Act Two, which is the the heart of the Christmas story. And it's written in the style of the popular uh, streaming show, The Chosen. Hmm. But it's it centers around the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus found in John chapter three, which is where probably the most famous verse in the Bible uh, is found John three sixteen, and um, but that scripture is in the middle of Nicodemus asking hard questions. This was a learned, religious, scholarly man that would have been trying to put all the pieces together. Is this Jesus for real? Uh, does he tie in with all of these Old Testament prophecies that I know? And um, I think in this day and age we as believers have got to be willing to tackle the hard questions because people ha life is hard today. People have hard questions. Uh, don't, don't sugarcoat it. Let, let's, let's talk truth. And this guy being, as you said, the learned Jewish teacher that he was, he was coming to this prophet or he says, I recognize the right. fact that you are from God because right. of miracles of what we see, the signs. But the reality is, you're right. I mean, the idea behind he wasn't sugarcoating anything. He just simply says, what do I got to do to get into the kingdom of God? Right. And he didn't, and Jesus didn't fit the mold because they, they even though all the prophecies lined up, they still expected him to come as a king that would just kind of take over and wipe out Rome and, hey, we're in charge. And Jesus came as a servant. 
Um, and that kind of blew people away. And especially the religious leaders that had been expecting a dominant king. And Jesus was king, but of a different kind. You know, what I like about the story that you're talking about, Nicodemus goes through that at night. I mean, he really comes at a time when Jesus wouldn't have been pressured. Right. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm here to really learn. And then he walks away and he doesn't uh, commit. It's just, you know, but the Lord has been very open to share with him what's right. going on. But we see it later in the right. Gospel of John that he is convicted. He does begin to believe we, in Christ. We see it as burial, that yeah. he assisted Joseph of Arimathea in the burial of Christ. And, you know, I think it's a great reminder that as we as Christians live out our faith, um, that as we share the gospel and we share the hope in Christ, people are going to ponder it. People are going, you know, that it, and who knows, the Bible says that it doesn't record all that Jesus said and did. I wonder if there were follow-up conversations. Yeah, yeah. We just don't know that. Um, but just like making decisions about finances, you know, it's you research, you think through it, you ponder it, you you try to figure it out, and then you make the decisions that the facts lead you to make. I, I think Nicodemus obviously did that. Yeah, that's a, it's a great story. I am so glad that's going to be your focal point uh, that goes on this year. That That's so critical. If you just tuned in, it's Mark Blair, Minister of Music at Bellevue Baptist Church. We're talking about the singing Christmas tree. If you would like to get tickets, go to bellevuesingingtree.org. If you have not been, make that a something going. Now, Mark, we haven't set a time. When are they going? To, when are you going to start this? It's sometime in December. I'm opening sure. opening night is December the 9th. That's Friday night. There will be two presentations on Saturday and then one on Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the 14th, is our final presentation. Okay, that's uh, BellevueSingingTree.org. You don't want to miss this. If you haven't been, make it a priority for this year. Bottom line is, if you've been before, it's still because the story's different. It's coming from the aspect of a question that ask, is asked by Nicodemus. And you need to understand that conversation that he and the Lord has in John the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Mark, what would you like for the last thing you leave with our listening people here today that, that, that's really why? I mean, I'm so impressed with so many people, so many volunteers. What do you think they do? And I guess just kind of close out your thoughts. Well, I think the, the thing I would leave you with, Jim, is the why that we do it. Um, and, and really, it's um, part of the same reason that you do this program, Helping People. Um, the world can instill fear in people. But Jesus came to put courage in us, to encourage us, to teach us so that we could live with uh, power and love and a, and a sound mind. And I think we want to encourage people with the truth of all truths the hope that's found in Christ. And uh, we believe that's rooted in the biblical truth found in scripture. And I'm excited to be part of a group of people that for 46 years has proclaimed that truth. And again, it is to inform, but also encourage, help put courage in people so that when life throws them a curve, and it will, that they're prepared and they have a foundation of faith inside of them uh, to deal with, with life. 
That is so critical. If you just tuned in again, my guest, Mark Blair, Minister of Music, Bellevue Baptist Church, BellevueSingingTree.org. It starts on the 9th of December, runs through the 14th. You'll find all of that online. Mark, thank you so much, sir. This is such a tradition. It is an honor to have you on the program today. Jim, I can't thank you enough. Wish you all the best. Thank you, sir. Well, again, we are just had the privilege of walking through the whole idea behind it, singing tree, and you want to make sure that's a part of your thought process and your tradition. If you haven't been to one, make that something on your list, the singing Christmas tree, BellevueSingingTree.org. Well, turning the page, we've got a question from Eric, and my guest to answer these questions, Scott Jordan, Michael Powell, both of these guys are certified financial planners, and we've got a couple of questions, guys, that have come in, and of course, reminding you that if you want to ask us a question, send it to jim 901 That's the text line here at the station, and of course, you can also send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and of course, J-I-M, 901-689-0989. Eric asked this question. Scott, I'm going to lean with you. And I guess we'll we'll kind of talk about this, but I want to, maybe way I'll tell you what. I'm going to hold that. I'll, ask, I'll tell you the question. It's talking about bear market. But since, Michael, you're going to give us some thoughts around the whole idea behind dealing with the bear market, we'll answer that question with you later on as we get into it. Here's the other question, though. Uh, you guys uh, are thinking about this idea behind the digital dollar. And Scott, I mean, this comes from Howard. He says, what is a digital dollar? I heard Mr. Biden has requested that we go to a digital dollar. What does that mean for us? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Wow. That's a, that's a deep question. <laughs> well, I'll that's tell a you deep what, why don't you call I, like, I like that question, it though. Is a good it, question. It's, it's a good one. And I, and I think that the answer, the short answer would be yes, our government is, you know, investigating the possibility of creating a Federal Reserve or government backed digital currency that would probably work similar to the way cryptocurrencies are developed and that it would be some kind of protocol around the current currency. The difference would be it would be backed by our U.S. government. Now, there's pros and cons of that. He's, he asked the question, is that a good thing? I think there, you know, first of all, 11 other countries have already developed these. And with the dollar being the reserve currency of the world, I think it's something that we certainly have to explore and look into because there's a, there's a, a, one of the huge advantages to having a digital currency like that could be, you know, cutting out a lot of the middlemen it takes to do cross-border transactions and things of that nature. They could be handled a lot more efficiently. Now, that comes with certain risk, right? You have, you know, cybersecurity risk, uh, privacy risk. I think that's a big concern from a lot of people is, okay, is that going to allow the government to track every dollar I spend and, and, and follow me that way? And I think that's a legitimate concern. Uh, but as of now, from what I've heard them talking about and Biden and the administration talking about, they're not looking to replace cash dollars. They're just looking for an alternative way to p make payments and at again, this time. you feel like that's to us personally, or as you said, way to transact business across borders in a more efficient way. I mean, again, be. again, I think it's, should we worry about it? First question, is it to transact business, but is, should we worry about it? Well, yes or no? well, whoa, I that's, like a, that. that's a deep question. Man, should we get, worry about boy, it? Well, I, I, I think it's, you know, I, I, should we worry about it? I'm going to go with no, we shouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Not today. We, we really shouldn't be worried about anything, Amen. right? But um, at the end of the day, yes, there are concerns around it. But I think, like I said, with other countries developing this and with that, 
being an efficient way to trade possibly we have to explore explore the possibilities but we need to think deeply about what it means and and what what effects it could have on our economy but i think it's something that we do need to be looking into uh, they are looking into it. I think that as you as you kind of look out there, that is kind of the way things are moving. You know, we, we transact digitally a lot now anyway. Now, the difference with this would be more, I think, would be more like the, the cryptocurrency type digital currency. Uh, it would be we a have a question medium. about cryptocurrency. Uh, well, I mean, that's a, you know, again, that's a, that's a broad field. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of... Um, you know, there's some benefits to that when you when you look at, again, being able to trade more efficiently and what they call reducing that friction in financial markets and allowing things to flow. There's a lot of benefits to that. All right. We'll get back because when we come back after the break, I want to talk a little bit more about cryptocurrency. And the question that I'm going to let Michael dive into and really help us walk through this is you guys say that 2023 will be a good market year. And why? And I heard that we're looking for a bear market for the next five years. Those are the questions that you've asked us. And it reminds you that if you've got a question, just simply simply send it to the text line, 901-683-0989. Type in Jim, J-I-M, and send it to the text line, 683-0989, or to talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. And I want to remind you, you can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. Well, coming up, we're going to dive in, as I said, to those questions, but Michael is going to give us this whole idea of some survival tips for a bear market if you think we're going to be in a bear market for all of next year. So that's coming up when we get back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You don't want to stay with us. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. The S&P 500 is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Neither asset allocation nor diversification guarantee against loss. They are methods used to manage risk. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Relating to tax loss harvesting, it is important to consider the wash sale rule, which doesn't allow you to rebuy a substantially identical investment within the 30-day window before or after the sale. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back to today's program. My guest is Scott Jordan, Certified Financial Planner, and Michael Powell, Certified Financial Planner. We're answering your questions in this segment of the show, and we've just kind of got into the question that Grant sent us about, excuse me, Howard sent us about digital currency or digital dollars. And so let's go into Eric's question. Now, this is just either one of you guys. Michael, you can start with this. you. So he says, are we going into a long period of a bear market, I've heard five years. Now, guys, that's a big, long period. And, and I mean, I got some statistics about what we consider to be a long period. But if you look at the 
bear market we've actually had in the last 75 calendar years since 1946. The stock market's had 12 declines, that's, you know, of at least 20%, which would be, that's the definition we've gone into a bear market, a correction, and it stays there about 6% of the time, six point six and a third, you know, years, excuse me, six and three, three years over the average. But the length of it, I'll tell you the length. What are your thoughts on the question he's asking? Are we going into one for a period of five years? What do you think? Well, that's definitely out of the ordinary as far as averages, historically speaking. But, I mean, if you're in that pessimistic view of the market, then, I mean, overall, I don't think five years is logical, in my opinion, right. just because that's a little bit. That's super bearish. That's a super no bearish. Intended, that's a, that would that's, be longer than normal because usually the average length is only about 16 months. And you it know, feels like a really long time. That does feel like a long During time. those times. We typically, we don't value the bullish years as much as we do the bearish just because we hate losing more than we like winning. Absolutely. I mean, that's just like anything else, right? Yeah. Scott, what's your take on that? Well, I think I would start by saying nobody truly knows how long we'll be in a bear market. We don't know what's going to turn this around, what it's going to take to break the back of inflation or stop the war in Ukraine or whatever geopolitical mess is going to raise its ugly head. But, you know, I think we just have to look back and get some perspective by looking back at history. And I think you guys have touched on a good point. You know, bear markets normally accompany recessions. That's that's typical, not all of them. But and, you know, when you look back at since about 1950, the 11 recessionary cycles since 1950, they've averaged between two and 18 months two being the shortest with 18 months being the longest. The market will usually lead us into that recession. In other words, the market usually goes down before the recession occurs and then usually leads us out of it by about anywhere around six months. So I think five years, again, that's a that's a that's a tough scenario to even consider. And and fundamentally looking at, you know, earnings and, and things as they come in, it just doesn't seem to be lining up for that type of scenario. I, I agree with that. And I think that's something we want to just encourage. We can't say, well, OK, past performance is a prediction of future performance. We say that and we say that a lot. But um, we don't see historical data that would support a five year bear market. And Michael, you kind of said that would be like a super bear market or something like yes, that. Yes, it, it would. It definitely so, would. Something we have to think about. Of course, I want to remind everybody, when we talk about a return, as we do, the S&P 500 is usually what we're talking about. That's an unmanaged index of 500 large caps. And just remind you, you cannot invest in an index. So, all right. Now, now here's the second question, or the third question, and this comes from Grant. And it's ironic. Maybe, I don't think Grant and Eric have a clue who each other are. But oh, I think they were talking. <laughs> yeah, well, they could have been. But here's the thought. I mean, this is what's kind of unique. Grant, I mean, Eric says five-year bear market. Grant says, you guys say 2023 will be a good market year. I'm not sure that's what we've said, but we've had talked about history. And then he says, are you pessimistic, optimistic? Why? I would say I'm optimistic, and I do want to. I do want to clarify. I don't think we've ever said that 2023 is going to be a good year. We can't As make I that said, prediction. I quote, but, I quote, but that's a good point. You know, I think where where that might have been taken from what we were saying is, if you look historically, and we've talked a lot about elections, and that's a hot topic right now with everything going on, but. 
midterm election years after the midterm, the three, six, and nine, and uh, 12-month periods after midterm have historically been positive by, even over the 12 months, usually around double digits. Now, that's not to say, you just got through saying past performance is no guarantee. We don't know that history is going to repeat itself, but when you look at the uh, the midterm cycles, looking back, going back to the 50s, we, we usually do see a positive bump after the midterms in the market, and, and I think that is, is very possible under this scenario, Actually, but it's, we're I not went, predicting that. Right. I went back to three, 1942, and just happened to have that statistic because we use it a lot. And the fact is, that in 12 months following midterm elections, the average has been a little over 14%. Right, So, right. I mean, that's that's something. Now, are we predicting? Of course not. Those are averages. Averages are bound to disappoint half the time. So, you know, it's uh, yeah, not something we can, we can hang our hat right. on. But it, it is, you know, it is positive to look back and try to get some perspective that way. And I think what we're trying to say to Grant and to Eric, actually, they're kind of two different questions, but kind of almost on the same topic. And again, Michael Powell is going to go through it so, so it's got some tips on how to deal with a bear market if you're thinking it's going to be what do you do how do you get how do you do how do you manage your portfolio during a bear market so but what i think i hear from grant and, and i think i appreciate it you guys come across optimistic and we do because we've got data that we can support now that doesn't mean that i'm optimistic looking back and say the market's been a great year this market's been a no, horrible year it has and I and some bad numbers. And I think I think our optimism our optimism, excuse me, comes from, you know, I look back, the average recession, like I said, somewhere around ten months, the average, two to eighteen months, but ten's the average. The average market expansion lasts somewhere near seventy months. So that's where the optimism comes from. The expansions usually last longer than the pullbacks, and over time that leads to a positive experience if you're patient and long term minded investor. Yeah, you know, and we do this and we think through that process when you look at just 75 calendar years, back to what I was talking about earlier, uh, about 20% of the time we've got a down market. Right. You know, so understand it. Just, just oh, that, I tell me, it, one, one out of five years is going to be a bad year. A so bad just, just plan on that and expect it. But it, it does seem like people get surprised by it every Let time. Let me put this in perspective because for the show that I did earlier in the week, this past week with uh, Ditch and uh, Tim Van Horn, I talked about the fact that rate hikes, you think about it, rate hikes, 50 basis points or better. And, you know, we expect that in December, and we've seen that. We were thinking about 75 basis points. But when you think about the rate hikes that the Fed has been putting through us, you know, this last couple of months, this is the fastest pace of increasing in history, in history. Now, that's a... That's a, that's a big, big thing. It's a big thing. And the bond market bears that out. And that's been one of the challenges with being a, a multi-asset diversified investor this year is we've had some struggles in the bond market because of those rapid rate hikes. And the rapid, most rapid rate hikes in history, that's something we have to, we have to calculate and think through as we talk about a bear market. But here's the second thing. We've just gone through a time in our history that has been un I don't want to say unprecedented, but it's been abnormal. That is the Fed reducing its balance sheet by $95 billion per month. That's a big one. That's double tightening. That's with a B, for this. Jim. And so, yeah, it's a big one. And the reality is we've lived through that. I mean, I haven't missed a meal, and, you know, and I continue to go, and I have to pay more money at the gas tank because of inflation. But if that's all historical data for the last, let's say, 11 months, you know, 10 and a half months, 
and we've lived through it, and we're now saying there's some things beginning to loosen up. We see inflation now down to 7.7%. We're still expecting that to slide even more than that, GDP. So that may be what we're trying to do when we answer Eric and Grant's questions, that we probably are a little more optimistic because we're looking at how bad it's been, and now reality is we see a little bit of a lightning uh, some lighting, you know, some less of the control that we've seen in the past. Yeah, I think I think you could say we've we, we've been through a lot of the bad. Now I've been warning investors repeatedly that it could get worse before it gets better. There's no, no doubt about that. But we've been through a lot of the the hardship and downturn already. So we, you know, as we see good data come out around inflation, you see the market respond positively positively to that. We do expect that trend to continue, and so there's a lot to be upbeat about looking forward. But again. I can't say 2023 is going to be a good year. I, w- I wish I could say that with definite, but I do think that the the stats and the the fundamentals are pointing toward a better year. We don't predict. Nope. Yeah, and then you look at like March of 2020. It's it happened so rapidly. How quick the market went down. What did everybody do at that point? I mean. It was gloomy. Yeah. It was a lot yeah. gloomier because than what Because we're talking about a pandemic now. that that was the first in our generation. You know, there wasn't a person really had faced a pandemic before. Yeah, and there was just tons of different circumstances and uncertainty, uncertainty that yes. we were dealing yeah. with. And we're dealing with a little bit of uncertainty today, the same thing, but totally different circumstances. So whether it is a two-month recovery or how fast March of 2020 was, I mean... It was just amazing how quick it came back. And I think the point of that is is that we don't know when it comes back. That's a good point. And you just have to be patient because we could, if you decide to make a rational decision at that moment in time, you could miss the whole boat because you don't know when the bear market's over till it's over, right? That's a good <laughs> I mean, point. That's a yeah. very good point. You guys have done a great job. I'm going to save Samuel's question about cryptocurrency till the end of the show. Because, I mean, I think we've got a lot. Kind of a cliffhanger there. Just well, going to make them I'll hang just hold on, on to it. Because I, like I think that. it's a, I like it's, a good, it's a great question, it is too, a good with question, a great comment Especially with all things going on right now. Yeah. But I think I want to talk to our investors. And to just remind you, this is Talk Money. We try our best to educate and inform you. I know, understandably, we are all frustrated. It is a frustrating time. And we talked to someone yesterday frustrated with the market. It's it's a, it's a been a miserable year. I can't it's, say it any It's different. felt horrible being in the market it's this year. Just, it's felt tough. horrible. Absolutely. Yep. And I, now we, we talk about a bear market. You got bonds, as Scott has said, has been did almost nothing to give us any relief to this. It's just, you know... You develop into a pessimism mi- mindset, and uh, all of a sudden you got a long list of concerns. You got the news media beating you up. You got all kind of stuff. So inflation's out of control. Central bank policy, the war in Ukraine. I could go on and on. The midterm elections and whatever. Maybe your party didn't do as well or whatever. What do you want to be able to say? So, Michael, with all that going on, give me some tips of what we should be doing as far as both of you kind of chime in. And let's go through this process. Let our listeners understand. Here's some, even though it's painful, what should we be doing? Tip number one, Michael. Tip number one, everybody's looking at their investments right now. And when you evaluate those investments, you got to use an appropriate frame of reference when you're looking at that. I can't compare the S&P 500 index to my 401k because that's a lot like comparing apples and limes. They're fruit but totally different fruit, right? And when you look at that, 
a lot of times it's just not appropriate to compare to that. So what you have to look at is if I'm investing in companies outside of the U.S. or small companies or even value companies, I have to look at a different benchmark to compare those. And it's it sometimes it gets us in trouble, or at least emotionally, to say, hey, well, this index is doing this. Why is it my investments doing that? And that could really hurt you sometimes. But I think even more important than that, comparing apples to apples, is comparing timeframes. Because just because your investment today in the short term is doing bad doesn't mean we need to punish that or make a change or do anything different. Because if your goals haven't changed, then what's, you know, like retirement, if you're not retiring for the next 30 years and your investments go down, it's no time to panic, no time to worry. If you're in quality things, I don't think there's any reason to panic or do anything different. I got a funny story. I've been working with a girl. Uh, she just graduated from grad school. Uh, back in May, she just started signing up for her 401k. We had a meeting the other day and she was like, yeah, I've, I started my 401k. I'm doing X amount of percentage in there. And I've just noticed I did the math, what I've put in and what my employer matched. It doesn't equal the same amount in my 401k balance right now. And I, I just don't know where the money went. And I just sat there for a second. I listened. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, this is investing. Welcome to investing. Welcome I mean, to investing. A lot of the new investors, even in the beginning of 2020, when things went down, you could just throw a dart at a stock and it was going to do very well. But now that is a totally different story. And you just have to understand that a one-year time frame or even a two-year time frame is not something you ought to compare. And you, I know you to. explained that to her, but that's a critical thing for us to think about. Yeah, and I was as as Michael was talking through that, I was thinking about the benchmark, and I always tell people the best benchmark to use is am I on track to hit my goals, right? Because when you put together a multi-asset portfolio, you're looking to put together a an investment portfolio that's going to give you the returns you need to hit your long-term goals. And when you set that in place, long term is the key for that. So if if you can look and say, yeah, this this has a history of producing the types of returns I need with some margin of error in there, then you don't get caught up in the comparison trap of looking at various, you know, benchmarks that really don't mean anything to you. You're trying to earn what you need to hit your goals. And I think it's it's key to keep that top of mind, and especially a, during tough times. That's a good point. When you have long-term goals, and that keeps the emotions out too. Because right. you're not, right. you know, we've had people say, should I ever look at my portfolio? And the answer to that is, yeah, but not every day. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's easy to get in that habit, especially oh. with our phones. You just want to pull that balance up. Oh, I'm down again today. Oh, I'm down. Or, oh, wow, I'm up again today. And none of that really matters long term, right? We're trying to get a long term average growth of that capital in order to meet some sort of a goal that we've established that we're investing for. All right. Let's look at tip number two, because I think that's good. Scott, when you think about tip number two, we've been doing this now for been about doing it. two weeks. Yeah. Very, very systematic with clients that we've gone through. And it's very much a part of managing a portfolio. Yeah, and I, I kind of laugh when you when, I, when I'm looking at this because we were talking to a client the other day and we were talking to him about harvesting some tax losses and he said, "Well, I don't want any losses." <laughs> and I said, "Well, I get that, but we have them, so let's take advantage of them." And and tax loss harvesting, this is a good time to look for opportunities to do that. You're basically selling a holding or an asset that you have a loss in that you can realize. And what you usually want to do, because the market is moving, you want to put that in a very similar asset. So we're we're selling an asset, maybe it's a fund, and maybe, you know, for example, say it's an S&P 500 fund, we're selling that and we're buying something that's very similar. So we can stay invested and capture the upswing, but we also get to capture that loss 
for tax purposes for this year. So, and that can offset other gains or, or a small amount of ordinary income and if you don't have And that's very gains. solid as far as letting the portfolio go through that through the, through the whole maturation process. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I will just point out this for anybody, for all listeners. You, do, you can't accomplish this in your IRA or 401k. That's a good point. Since we're in a tax-sheltered vehicle like a 401k, it does you no good to take advantage of this strategy. We're talking non-retirement dollars. And making sure that you get those dollars back into the model that you started with instead of getting it out of line, that's going right. to be easy to yes. do. And next thing you know, you're not sure why it's going the way it's going. So that's important. Yeah, you want to you want to do your research and, and know that you're, you're trading like kind for a, as close as you can get to what you had. So. Or call someone like you guys, and that's 757-5757 if you want to talk to Scott or to talk to Michael. But here's a thought, guys. Let me, let me say this to you. I, I'm a patient investor. I, I remember reading this from Warren Buffett years ago, and I'll just read it to you, and, and Michael, I want you to talk about it. But, you know, this is emotion sometimes. He says, and I quote, the stock market is a device for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. Wow. Those are true words. Oh, wow. I mean, that true is words. so, and that's really what happens. Mm-hmm. And so, Michael, what did you say when you talk about patients distinguishing between being patient and being complacent? You have to be patient in investing. And we're in this drive-through microwave generation now where it's like it's got to be there now. we got to have a return now. we got to have some good performance. Even college football, if you can't win, <laughs> you can't go to a bowl game your first year, you're getting you're kicked history. out. You're <laughs> done. We're out of here. Yeah. And that is not the same thing as investing for retirement if you're 25, 35, or even 45. Right. And patience can be really good for you and it can also be really bad if especially depending on the situation but complacency however that can be a trap because there's changes that go on throughout this investment environment like interest rate hikes all these different things with inflation that in a bear market don't look good but just because it's down doesn't mean you need to make all these different changes but there may be some things moving forward as inflation gets more of a challenge and then over the different years that come, you may want to add some investments that have some sort of inflation protection to it, or even just adjusted to that environment that we're dealing with. So you may be in some good things today, but it's okay to make a few tweaks along the way in your asset classes. But I like the thought of differentiation between patience and complacency. And I, and I, th- I appreciate you thinking that as a tip because it's so easy to get impatient. In fact, Scott, you talk a lot about this, the whole idea of the noise. How do you how do you say that today? Well, you know, with with twenty four hour news and and computers in our hand, it, I mean, we just get bombarded with things from the media, and you know, it's always something's in major crisis. You know, if something doesn't change, the whole world's going to fall apart. That's usually the attention grabbing headlines that you see out there. A lot of times, you got to actually read the story, <laughs> and it won't even be related to the headline, but it it, it sure grabs it. Uh, you know, I, I saw one the other day and it's like, Buffett says this is going to happen in the next three months. And then you read it and it's really not, not exactly, exactly what it was portrayed to be. But I think, you know, understanding that when you're, when you're a patient long-term investor and, and like Michael said, a little different being complacent, but we, we put a strategy in place and we put that in place for the long term, and we expect downturns. We talked about it earlier. One out of five years is going to be a down year. We know that's going to come. We don't want to change our investment strategy based on the noise of the day, the short-term 
crisis that's coming out of the day. We don't want to change that. So turn turn off the TV. Turn off your phone. Yeah, I heard that. I, I read something this past week. The S&P slides as blank target, you know, whatever it was, or so whatever the, 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 the stock was, reports profit decline, warns of soft holidays. Well, as soon as I read it, I thought, whoa, let me go to the futures. What's going on? It was early in the morning. Yeah. Futures wasn't moving. Yeah. I mean, the S&P slides... You know, I would say, okay, what is it, 100? Craters. Two craters. Plummets. <laughs> you know, it'd be down just a couple of points. Word. Yeah. It's all about the words. Yeah. It's all about the words you use. Get your attention, though. That's what it's designed to do. Michael, in a few seconds here, I wanted you to help us with understanding the differentiation between the stock market and the economy. And you got about a minute. Well, first off, the stock market is a leading indicator, meaning that it is trying to foresee what is going on in our economy. So what we see in the stock market really isn't what happening. what is happening in our economy today because stocks tend to bottom several months before the victims of the other. Okay, that, that's, that's important. Leading indicator versus a lagging indicator. That's right. Those are great tips, guys. I mean, you've gone through some things that I think help people understand. Use appropriate frame of reference when you're evaluating your, you know, your investments. Always take advantage of Tax loss harvesting, if you can, distinguish between patience and complacency, turn off the noise, and, of course, differentiate between the stock market and the economy. Great tips, but i got to ask answer Samuel's question. So Bring here it on. in the, just the seconds you got left, about a minute. Wait, I, I'm glad I you saved enough time to really get into <laughs> I'm this. I'm sorry. you got plenty of time. What, what's the question? Well, the question is, here he goes, cryptocurrency, question mark, question mark, question mark. I mean, with what happened that's this, that's past week, yeah, I think he's boy. fearing that that kind of set everybody back on their heels. Yeah, and I think it's important to distinguish, first of all, you know, FTX, and that's what's been in the news a lot lately about, you know, what this Sam Bankman Friedman and his company did. And that that is an exchange that that is in this problem. So I think you have to separate that from the actual cryptocurrencies. And we don't have really a lot of time to dive down into this. But I always tell people, whether it's cryptocurrency or any I put those under, and this is not a, a recommendation to buy, sell, or not buy or sell or anything cryptocurrency, but I put it under the category of speculative investments. And and I think you only get to investing in things like that after you've you know paid off your high interest debt, you've you've uh, saved up an emergency fund, you've saved for some major purses, you've diversified and created an investment strategy to hit your long term goals, and then if you have extra money, you may can take some risk on these speculative type investments. But I think more to come on this story. It appears to have been, you know, where he was kind of helping himself and, and taking money from people's account and using it for his own trading purposes. And, you know, as always happens in a situation like that, when liquidity runs dry, you kind of see what's really going on. And I think that's what we have here. I hope we've answered Samuel's questions. Be careful, Samuel. Just That's the bottom be line. Just be careful. Think about it. Well, I want to thank my guests for today's program. Of course, Mark Blair, the Minister of Music at Bellevue Baptist Church. If you're interested in the tree, it's BellevueSingingTree.org. It starts on the 9th of December, runs to the 14th. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Scott. Great to be here, Jim. Pleasure to be here. If you have questions for Mark, you can call him as where I told you. You can reach him at his telephone number, 347-2000. But for Michael and Scott, you can call them at 901-757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast. Again, remind you that if you've got questions, type J-I-M, Jim, to the text line, 901-683-0989. Next week, my guest, Steve Andrews. 
Anderson. Scott Jordan will be back with us. Larry Lord, he's with the Memphis Leadership Foundation. We're going to talk about some market and some fundamentals that you do not want to miss. That's Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 9. I want to thank my producer, Tyler Springs, guest and content coordination, Francis Fordner, and production and marketing assistant, Lauren Norsworthy, compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong, and Kimberly Holtus. Thank you for what you do, guys. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.